Chapter Forty Four of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell, Book Three, Chapter Forty Four: Effects Produced by the Powers of Vitality on the State of the Earth's Surface modifications in physical geography caused by organic beings why the vegetable soil does not augment in thickness the theory that vegetation is an antagonistic power counterbalancing the degradation caused by running water untenable conservative influence of vegetation rain diminished by felling of forests distribution of american forests dependent on direction of predominant winds influence of man in modifying the physical geography of the globe the second branch of our inquiry respecting the changes of the organic world relates to the processes by which the remains of animals and plants become fossil or to speak still more generally to all the effects produced by the powers of vitality on the surface and shell of the earth before entering on the principal division of this subject the embedding and preservation of animal and vegetable remains i shall offer a few remarks on the superficial modifications caused directly by the agency of organic beings as when the growth of certain plants covers the slope of a mountain with peat or converts a swamp into dry land or when vegetation prevents the soil in certain localities from being washed away by running water in considering alterations of this kind brought about in the physical geography of particular tracts we are too apt to think exclusively of that part of the earth's surface which has emerged from beneath the waters and with which alone as terrestrial beings we are familiar here the direct power of animals and plants to cause any important variation is of necessity very limited except in checking the progress of that decay of which the land is the chief theatre but if we extend our views and instead of contemplating the dry land consider that larger portion which is assigned to the aquatic tribes we discover the great influence of the living creation in imparting varieties of conformation to the solid exterior which the agency of inanimate causes alone could not produce thus when timber is floated into the sea it is often drifted to vast distances and subsides in spots where there might have been no deposit at that time and place if the earth had not been tenanted by living beings if therefore in the course of ages a hill of wood or lignite be thus formed in the subaqueous regions a change in the submarine geography may be said to have resulted from the action of organic powers so in regard to the growth of coral reefs it is probable that a large portion of the matter of which they are composed is supplied by mineral springs which often rise up at the bottom of the sea in which on land abound throughout volcanic regions hundreds of leagues in extent the matter thus constantly given out could not go on accumulating forever in the waters but would be precipitated in the abysses of the sea even if there were no polyps and testacea but these animals 
arrest and secrete the carbonite of lime on the summits of submarine mountains and form reefs many hundred feet in thickness and hundreds of miles in length where but for them none might ever have existed why the vegetable soil does not augment in thickness if no such voluminous masses are formed on the land it is not from the want of solid matter in the structure of terrestrial animals and plants but merely because as i have so often stated the continents are those parts of the globe where ascensions of matter can scarcely ever take place where on the contrary the most solid parts already formed are each in their turn exposed to gradual degradation the quantity of timber and vegetable matter which grows in a tropical forest in the course of a century is enormous and multitudes of animal skeletons are scattered there during the same period besides innumerable land shells and other organic substances the aggregate of these materials therefore might constitute a mass greater in volume than that which is produced in any coral reef during the same lapse of years but although this process should continue on the land forever no mountains of wood or bone would be seen stretching far and wide over the country or pushing out bold promontories into the sea the whole solid mass is either devoured by animals or decomposes as does a portion of the rock and soil on which the animals and plants are supported the waste of the strata themselves accompanied by the decomposition of their organic remains and the setting free of their alkaline ingredients is one source from whence running water and the atmosphere may derive the materials which are absorbed by the roots and leaves of plants another source is the passage into a gaseous form of even the hardest parts of animals and plants which die and putrefy in the air where they are soon resolved into the elements of which they are composed and while a portion of these constituents is volatilized the rest is taken up by rain-water and sinks into the earth or flows towards the sea so that they enter again and again into the composition of different organic beings the principal element found in plants are hydrogen carbon and oxygen so that water and the atmosphere contain all of them either in their own composition or in solution the constant supply of these elements is maintained not only by the putrefaction of animal and vegetable substances and the decay of rocks but also by the copious evolution of carbonic acid and other gases from volcanoes and mineral springs and by the effects of ordinary evaporation whereby aqueous vapors are made to rise from the ocean and to circulate round the globe it is well known that when two gases of different specific gravity are brought into contact even though the heavier be the lowermost they soon become uniformly diffused by mutual absorption through the whole space which they occupy by virtue of this law the heavy carbonic acid finds its way upwards through the lighter air of the atmosphere and conveys nourishment to the lichen which covers the mountain top if the quantity of food consumed by terrestrial animals 
and the elements imbibed by the roots and leaves of plants were derived entirely from that supply of hydrogen carbon oxygen nitrogen and other elements given out into the atmosphere and the waters by the putrescence of organic substances then we might imagine that the vegetable mould would after a series of years neither gain nor lose a single particle by the action of organic beings and this conclusion is not far from the truth but the operation which renovates the vegetable and animal mould is by no means so simple as that here supposed thousands of carcasses of terrestrial animals are floated down every century into the sea and together with forests of drift timber are embedded in the subaqueous deposits where their elements are imprisoned in solid strata and may there remain locked up throughout whole geological epochs before they again become subservient to the purposes of life on the other hand fresh supplies are derived by the atmosphere and by running water as before stated from the disintegration of rocks in their organic contents and through the agency of mineral springs from the interior of the earth from whence all the elements before mentioned which enter principally into the composition of animals and vegetables are continually evolved even nitrogen is found by chemists to be contained very generally in the waters of mineral springs vegetation not an antagonistic power counterbalancing the action of running water if we suppose that the copious supply from the nether regions by springs and volcanic vents of carbonic acid and other gases together with the decomposition of rocks may be just sufficient to counterbalance that loss of matter which having already served for the nourishment of animals and plants is annually carried down in organized forms and buried in subaqueous strata we concede the utmost that is consistent with probability an opinion however has been expressed that the processes of vegetable life by absorbing various gases from the atmosphere cause so large a mass of solid matter to accumulate on the surface of the land that this mass alone may constitute a great counterpoise to all the matter transported to lower levels by the aqueous agents of decay torrents and rivers it is said the waves of the sea and marine currents act upon lines only but the power of vegetation to absorb the elastic and non-elastic fluids circulating round the earth extends over the whole surface of the continents but the silent but universal action of this great antagonistic power the spoliation of waste caused by running water on the land and by the movements of the ocean are neutralized and even counterbalanced in opposition to these views i conceive that we shall form a juster estimate of the influence of vegetation if we consider it as being in a slight degree conservative and capable of retarding the waste of land but not of acting as an antagonistic power the vegetable mould is seldom more than a few feet in thickness and frequently does not exceed a few inches and we by no means find that its volume is more considerable in those parts of our continents 
which we can prove by geological data to have been elevated at more ancient periods and where consequently there has been the greatest time for the accumulation of vegetable matter produced throughout successive zoological epochs on the contrary these higher and older regions are more frequently denuded so as to expose the bare rock to the action of the sun and air we find in the torrid zone where the growth of plants is most rank and luxurious that accessions of matter due to their agency are by no means the most conspicuous indeed it is in these latitudes where the vegetation is most active that for reasons to be explained in the next chapter even though superficial peat mosses are unknown which cover a large area in some parts of our temperate zone if the operation of animal and vegetable life could restore to the general surface of the continents a portion of the elements of those disintegrated rocks of which such enormous masses are swept down annually into the sea the effects would long ere this have constituted one of the most striking features in the structure and composition of our continents all the great steppes and tablelands of the world where the action of running water is feeble would have become the grand repositories of organic matter accumulated without the intermixture of earthy sediment which so generally characterizes the subaqueous strata I have already stated that in the known operation of the igneous causes a real antagonistic power is found which may counterbalance the leveling action of running water and there seems no good reason for presuming that the upheaving and depressing force of earthquakes together with the ejection of matter by volcanoes may not be fully adequate to restore that inequality of the surface which rivers and the waves and currents of the ocean annually tend to lessen if a counterpoise be derived from this source the quantity and elevation of land above the sea may forever remain the same in spite of the action of the aqueous causes which if thus counteracted may never be able to reduce the surface of the earth more nearly to a state of equilibrium than that which it has now attained and on the other hand the force of the aqueous agents themselves might thus continue forever unimpaired conservative influence of vegetation if then vegetation cannot act as an antagonistic power amid the mighty agents of change which are always modifying the surface of the globe let us next inquire how far its influence is conservative how far it may retard the leveling effects of running water which it cannot oppose much less counterbalance it is well known that a covering of herbage and shrubs may protect a loose soil from being carried away by rain or even by the ordinary action of a river and may prevent hills of loose sand from being blown away by the wind for the roots bind together the separate particles into a firm mass and the leaves intercept the rain-water so that it dries up gradually instead of flowing off in a mass and with great velocity the old italian hydrographers made frequent mention of the increased degradation which has followed the clearing away of natural woods in several parts of italy 
a remarkable example was afforded in the upper val d'arno in tuscany on the removal of the woods clothing the steep declivities of the hills by which that valley is bounded when the ancient forest laws were abolished by the grand duke joseph during the last century a considerable tract of surface in the cassentina the clausentinium of the romans was denuded and immediately the quantity of sand and soil washed down into the arno increased enormously frissi alluding to such occurrences observes that as soon as the bushes and plants were removed the waters flowed off more rapidly and in the manner of floods swept away the vegetable soil this effect of vegetation is of high interest to the geologist when he is considering the formation of those valleys which have been principally due to the action of rivers the spaces intervening between the valleys whether they be flat or ridgy when covered with vegetation may scarcely undergo the slightest waste as the surface may be protected by the green sward of grass and this may be renewed in the manner before described from elements derived from rainwater and the atmosphere hence while the river is continually bearing down matter in the alluvial plain and undermining the cliffs on each side of every valley the height of the intervening rising grounds may remain stationary in this manner a cone of loose scoriae sand and ashes such as monte nuovo may when it has once become densely clothed with herbage and shrubs suffer scarcely any further dilapidation and the perfect state of the cones of hundreds of extinct volcanoes in france the neapolitan territory sicily and elsewhere may prove nothing whatever either as to their relative or absolute antiquity we may be able to infer from the integrity of such conical hills of incoherent materials that no flood can have passed over the countries where they are situated since their formation but the atmospheric action alone in spots where there happened to be no torrents and where the surface was clothed with vegetation could scarcely in any lapse of ages have destroyed them during a tour in spain in eighteen thirty i was surprised to see a district of gently undulating ground in catalonia consisting of red and gray sandstone and in some parts of red marl almost entirely denuded of herbage while the roots of the pines holm oaks and some other trees were half exposed as if the soil had been washed away by a flood such is the state of the forests for example between oristo and viche and near san lorenzo but being overtaken by a violent thunderstorm in the month of august i saw the whole surface even the highest levels of some flat-topped hills streaming with mud while on every declivity the devastation of torrents was terrific the peculiarities in the physiognomy of the district were at once explained and i was taught that in speculating on the greater effects which the direct action of rain may once have produced on the surface of certain parts of england we need not revert to periods when the heat of the climate was tropical in the torrid zone the degradation of land is generally more rapid 
but the waste is by no means proportioned to the superior quantity of rain or the suddenness of its fall the transporting power of water being counteracted by a greater luxuriance of vegetation a geologist who is no stranger to tropical countries observes that the softer rocks would speedily be washed away in such regions if the numerous roots of plants were not matted together in such a manner as to produce considerable resistance to the destructive power of the rains the parasitical and creeping plants also entwine in every possible direction so as to render the forests nearly impervious and the trees possess forms and leaves best calculated to shoot off the heavy rains which when they have thus been broken in their fall are quickly absorbed by the ground beneath or when thrown into the drainage depressions give rise to furious torrents influence of man in modifying the physical geography of the globe before concluding this chapter i shall offer a few observations on the influence of man in modifying the physical geography of the globe for he must class his agency among the powers of organic nature felling of forests the felling of forests has been attended in many countries by a diminution of rain as in barbados and jamaica for in tropical countries where the quantity of aqueous vapor in the atmosphere is great but where on the other hand the direct rays of the sun are most powerful any impediment to the free circulation of air or any screen which shades the earth from the solar rays becomes a source of humidity and wherever dampness and cold have begun to be generated by such causes the condensation of vapor continues the leaves moreover of all plants are alembics and some of those in the torrid zone have the remarkable property of distilling water thus contributing to prevent the earth from becoming parched up distribution of the american forests there can be no doubt than that the state of the climate especially the humidity of the atmosphere influences vegetation in that in its turn vegetation reacts upon the climate but some writers seem to have attributed too much importance to the influence of forests particularly those of america as if they were the primary cause of the moisture of the climate the theory of a modern author on this subject that forests exist in those parts of america only where the predominant winds carry with them a considerable quantity of moisture from the ocean seems far more rational in all countries he says having a summer heat exceeding seventy degrees the presence or absence of natural woods and their greater or less luxuriance may be taken as a measure of the amount of humidity and of the fertility of the soil short and heavy rains in a warm country will produce grass which having its roots near to the surface springs up in a few days and withers when the moisture is exhausted but transitory rains however heavy will not nourish trees because after the surface is saturated the remainder of the water runs off and the moisture lodged in the soil neither sinks deep enough nor is sufficient quantity to furnish the giants of the forest with the necessary sustenance 
it may be assumed that twenty inches of rain falling moderately or at intervals will leave a greater permanent supply in the soil than forty inches falling as it sometimes does in the torrid zone in as many hours in all regions he continues where ranges of mountains intercept the course of the constant or predominant winds the country on the windward side of the mountains will be moist and that on the leeward dry and hence parched deserts will generally be found on the west side of countries within the tropics and on the east side of those beyond them the prevailing winds in these cases being generally in opposite directions on this principle the position of forests in North and South America may be explained. Thus, for example, in the region within the 30th parallel, the moisture swept up by the trade wind from the Atlantic is precipitated in part upon the mountains of Brazil, which are but low and so distributed as to extend far into the interior. The portion which remains is borne westward, and, losing a little as it proceeds, is at length arrested by the Andes, where it falls down in showers on their summits. The aerial current, now deprived of all the humidity with which it can part, arrives in a state of complete exication at Peru, where consequently no rain falls. But in the region of America beyond the 30th parallel, the Andes serve as a screen to intercept the moisture brought by the prevailing winds from the Pacific Ocean. Rains are copious on their summits, and in Chile on their western declivities, but none falls on the plains to the eastward, except occasionally when the wind blows from the Atlantic. I have been more particular in explaining these views, because they appear to place in a true light the dependence of vegetation on climate the humidity being increased and more uniformly diffused throughout the year by the gradual spreading of wood it has been affirmed that formerly when france and england were covered with wood europe was much colder than at present that the winters in italy were longer and that the sina and many other rivers froze more regularly every winter than now Mr. Arago, in an essay on this subject, has endeavored to show, by tables of observations, on the congelation of the Rhine, Danube, Rhone, Po, Sina, and other rivers at different periods, that there is no reason to believe the cold to have been, in general, more intense in ancient times. He admits, however, that the climate of Tuscany has been so far modified by the removal of wood as that the winters are less cold the summers also he contends are less hot than of old and the summers according to him were formerly hotter in france than in our own times his evidence is derived chiefly from documents showing that wine was made three centuries ago in the vivarais and several other provinces at an earlier season at greater elevation and in higher latitudes than are now found suitable to the vine there seems little doubt that in the united states of north america the rapid clearing of the country has rendered the winters less severe and the summers less hot in other words the extreme temperatures of january and july have been observed from year to year to approach somewhat nearer to each other 
whether in this case or in france the mean temperature has been raised seems by no means as yet decided but there is no doubt that the climate has become as buffon would have said less excessive i have before shown when treating of the excavation of new estuaries in holland by inroads of the ocean as also of the changes on our own coasts that although the conversion of sea into land by artificial labors may be great yet it must always be in subordination to the power of the tides and currents or to the great movements which alter the relative level of the land and sea chapter twenty if in addition to the assistance obtained by parliamentary grants for defending dunwich from the waves all the resources of europe had been directed to the same end the existence of that port might perhaps have been prolonged by several centuries page three ten but in the meantime the current would have continued to sweep away portions from the adjoining cliffs on each side giving to the whole line of coast its present form until at length the town projecting as a narrow promontory must have become exposed to the irresistible fury of the waves it is scarcely necessary to observe that the control which man can obtain over the igneous agents is less even than that which he may exert over the aqueous he cannot modify the upheaving or depressing force of earthquakes or the periods or degree of violence of volcanic eruptions and on these causes the inequalities of the earth's surface and consequently the shape of the sea and land appear mainly to depend the utmost that man can hope to effect in this respect is occasionally to divert the course of a lava stream and to prevent the burning matter for a season from overwhelming a city or some other of the proudest works of human industry if all the nations of the earth should attempt to quarry away the lava which flowed during one eruption from the icelandic volcanoes in seventeen eighty three and the two following years and should attempt to consign it to the deepest abysses of the ocean they might toil for thousands of years and not accomplish their task yet the matter borne down to the sea by two great rivers the ganges and the burrumputer in each quarter of a century probably equals in weight and volume the mass of icelandic lava produced by that great eruption page two eighty two so insignificant is the aggregate force exerted by man when contrasted with the ordinary operations of aqueous or igneous agents in the natural world no application perhaps of human skill and labor tends so greatly to vary the state of the habitable surface as that employed in the drainage of lakes and marshes since not only the stations of many animals and plants but the general climate of a district may thus be modified it is also a kind of alteration to which it is difficult to find anything analogous in the agency of inferior beings for we ought always before we decide that any part of the influence of man is novel and anomalous carefully to consider the powers of all other animated agents which may be limited or superseded by him many who have reasoned on these subjects 
seem to have forgotten that the human race often succeeds to the discharge of functions previously fulfilled by other species suppose the growth of some of the larger terrestrial plants or in other words the extent of forest to be diminished by man and the climate to be thereby modified it does not follow that this kind of innovation is unprecedented it is a change in the state of vegetation and such may often have been the result of the appearance of new species upon the earth the multiplication for example of certain insects in parts of germany during the last century destroyed more trees than man perhaps could have felled during an equal period it would be rash however to affirm that the power of man to modify the surface may not differ in kind or degree from that of other living beings although the problem is certainly more complex than many who speculated on such topics have imagined if land be raised from the sea the greatest alteration in its physical condition which could ever arise from the influence of organic beings would probably be produced by the first immigration of terrestrial plants whereby the new tract would become covered with vegetation the change next in importance would seem to be when animals first enter and modify the proportionate numbers of certain species of plants if there be any anomaly in the intervention of man in farther varying the relative numbers in the vegetable kingdom it may not so much consist in the kind or absolute quantity of alteration as in the circumstance that a single species in this case would exert by its superior power and universal distribution an influence equal to that of hundreds of other terrestrial animals if we inquire whether man by his direct power or by the changes which he may give rise to indirectly tends upon the whole to lessen or increase the inequalities of the earth's surface we shall incline perhaps to the opinion that he is a leveling agent in mining operations he conveys upwards a certain quantity of materials from the bowels of the earth but on the other hand much rock is taken annually from the land in the shape of ballast and afterwards thrown into the sea and by this means in spite of prohibitory laws many harbors in various parts of the world have been blocked up we rarely transport heavy materials to higher levels and our pyramids and cities are chiefly constructed of stone brought down from more elevated situations by ploughing up thousands of square miles and exposing a surface for part of the year to the action of the elements we assist the abrading force of rain and diminish the conservative effects of vegetation End of chapter forty four